Esther chapter 3. That's where we'll get started this morning. Excuse me, Esther chapter 4 is where we will be. Esther the fourth chapter. Good to see so many people out today. We have a great crowd here. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. I'm very excited to be here with you all. We appreciate all of the guests who we have with us. You all are our honored guests. Uh, we are very encouraged by your presence today. Esther chapter 4. She was captivated as the royal crown rested on her refined and radiant head. In this moment, poverty turned into power, an orphan was honored, and a captive became queen. But no one knew. No one knew that she was poor. No one knew that she was an orphan. No one knew that she was a slave. No one knew that young, beautiful Esther was truly a Jew. God's people are in a very, very desperate situation. No one knew that perhaps Esther came to the kingdom for such a time as this. Time was of the essence. Time was running out. The clock was ticking. God's people are in a very desperate, a very hopeless, and a very helpless situation. Not only are they striving to recover from 70 years of captivity, but an issue has been decreed. The issue is all Jews, young and old, men, women, and children who have remained in Babylon will be tortured, slaughtered, annihilated, and killed. There's weeping, there's wailing, there's lamenting, there's mourning all throughout the provinces where this decree has been passed. God's people are hopeless. But thanks be to God, through His divine providence, there was a young, beautiful, former orphan who is now queen. Thanks be to God, through His providence, there is a young, beautiful, former captive who is now queen. She is the hope of Israel. Esther was a young, beautiful Jew who was raised by her cousin Mordecai. Formerly she was a slave. Formerly she was an orphan. Formerly she was young Hadassah, the Jew. But now she has won favor in the eyes of the king. She's sitting in the king's palace, and she is now the queen of Persia. Her Jewish people are suffering, they're mourning, they're wailing, they're all about to be slaughtered and killed, and so the question is, what will she do? In Esther chapter 4, Esther learns of the desperate situation that her people are in. She sends a messenger to her cousin Mordecai to get a little more information. Mordecai tells her that God's people are about to be slaughtered and killed. Young, old, men, women, and children. No one will survive. A decree has been issued. Here's a copy of the decree. And so Esther's messenger comes back to her with Mordecai's message. Mordecai is begging and pleading and asking Esther to go to the king and ask the king to save the Jewish people. Esther responds to her cousin and says, I can't do this. There's no way that I can do this. The king has passed a law. The law is no one enters into the king's inner court without being called. 
I haven't been called to enter into the king's inner court. If I or anyone else goes to the king without being called, there's one law. That person will be put to death. I haven't been called. If I go, I'll be put to death. And so Mordecai gets this message from his cousin, and he responds to her in Esther chapter 4 in verse 13. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. Verse 14. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, don't think that just because you were queen, don't think that just because you were in the king's palace, surrounded by all of his luxuries, surrounded by all of his comfort, don't think just because this is who you are now that you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. You and your father's household will perish because you are a Jew too. But who knows? Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows whether you have not been put in this place, in this time, for this very specific reason. Who knows whether you are not God's chosen instrument to deliver and to save His people. If you remain silent, you're going to be killed. But who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so... Esther responds to her cousin in Esther chapter 4 in verse number 16. Go, gather all of the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night and day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. When this former captive who is now queen is in a very desperate situation when her people are suffering, when her people are mourning, wailing, and lamenting all throughout the land, when everything is on the line, when she's standing between a rock and a hard place, when she has to make a very, very difficult and a life-changing decision, the first thing that Esther does is seeks the support of others. When everything is on the line, she calls her cousin and says, Go, gather all of the Jews who are found in Susa and ask the Jews to fast for three days and for three nights on my behalf. Mordecai, do this for me. Ask the Jewish nation to do this for me. Ask them to fast and I and my young women will fast too. When everything was on the line, when Esther had to make a difficult decision, the first thing that she did was seek the support of others. She recognized that she could not do this on her own. She recognized that she was not alone. She recognized that she was not perfect, and she recognized that she could benefit from the help, the support, the comfort, the encouragement, and the prayers of other people. She couldn't do it by herself, and so she sought the support of others. When this former captive, who is now queen, had to make a very difficult decision, she sought the support of others, but not only that, she sought the support of God. 
someone here this morning may be sitting there thinking, Tim, God's name is not mentioned at all in the book of Esther. You are right. Though God's name is not mentioned in the book of Esther, the handprint of God is all over this book. The very reason that the Jews were suffering, the very reason that the Jews were about to be destroyed, was because, as Esther chapter 3 and verse 8 states, they followed laws that were different from everyone else. Whose laws were they following? They were following the laws of God. God the Father in heaven. They followed laws that were different from everyone else. In Esther chapter 3 verses 2 through 5, Esther's cousin Mordecai upsets Haman, the king's right-hand man, because Mordecai would not bow down to Haman. Why wouldn't Mordecai bow down to Haman? He didn't bow down to Haman because he was a Jew. And Jews do not bow down to men. They bow down to God. They worship and serve the God in heaven. And so... Here in this passage, in Esther chapter 4, she so seeks the support of God by asking all the Jews to fast on her behalf. Fasting was something that Jews did during this time to draw closer to God. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, we know that Moses fasted when the, he learned that the children of Israel had begun worshiping a golden calf. He fasted to God for 40 days and 40 nights, begging and pleading that God not destroy his people. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, when King David learned that his son was about to die, the text says that he sought the Lord on behalf of the child and he fasted. The point that I'm trying to make is fasting was something that Jews did to draw closer to God. And here in Esther chapter 4, Esther asked the entire Jewish community to fast, to draw closer to God. She recognized that she needed God. She needed God's help. She needed his support. She needed his encouragement. And she needed the impenetrable strength that only the God in heaven could give her. When this former captive, who is now queen, was faced with a very, very difficult decision... When everything was on the line, when her people were suffering, when her people were mourning, wailing, and lamenting, when she had to make a very, very difficult decision, she sought the support of others, she sought the support of God, and she had no fear. The text says in Esther chapter 4, in verse number 16, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Because Esther was able to gain the support of all of the Jews, because she was able to gain the support of the God in heaven, she was fearless. I'm going to do something that's contrary to the law. I'm going to do something that may take away my life, but I could not care less. If I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. Confidence, courage, strength, boldness, she had all of this because she sought the support of other people. She sought the support of God. And now she has no fear. She had no fear. 
And because of all of this, the battle is won. In Esther chapter 4, in verse number 17, the text says, Mordecai then went and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Chapter 5 and verse 1, on the third day, Esther put on her royal robe and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he didn't rebuke her. He didn't throw his spear at her. He did not order his his soldiers to take her away. He did not kill her. The text says that she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Verse 3. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you even the half of my kingdom. In this very, very dark, difficult, and desperate hour, when this former captive who is now queen is faced with a very, very difficult decision, she seeks the support of her people She seeks the support of God. She fearlessly goes into the king's inner quarter. She gains favor in the sight of the king. And the king says to her, I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. The battle is won. As the story continues, we see time and time again how things begin to work out for Esther, Mordecai, and for God's people. In Esther chapter 7 and verse 10 Haman, the king's right-hand man, the one who requested that this decree be passed, that all of the Jews be slaughtered, Haman is hung on the very gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. In Esther chapter 9, verse 13 through 14, Haman's ten sons are hung at the gallows. In Esther chapter 8 and verse number 2, Mordecai, Esther's cousin, is exalted in the kingdom. He is given the golden scepter and he is set over the house of Haman. In Esther chapter 8, verses 11 through 12, the Jews get permission to rise up and to defend themselves. In Esther chapter 9 and verse 5, the Jews rise up and they defend themselves and they slaughter thousands and thousands of Babylonian oppressors. And in Esther chapter 10 and verse 3, we learn that Mordecai, Esther's cousin, is risen to second in command over the kingdom of Persia. The text says in Esther chapter 10, verse number 3, for Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers. For he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all of his people. This nation that was on the brink of woe, this nation that was experiencing very dark and difficult days, this nation that was about to be slaughtered, this nation that was about to be wiped out is now speaking of welfare and peace. All because a young, beautiful, former orphan, former captive, former Hadassah is now queen 
and she is now queen who was faced with a very, very difficult decision. She sought the support of other people. She sought the support of her God. She fearlessly walked into the king's inner courts, and the battle was won. Today is December the 16th, 2018. And all of us, all of us, every last one of us, like Esther, have suddenly been in a very unpredictable, unexpected situation where we have had to make a very, very difficult decision. All of us have had to make tough decisions. All of a sudden, the local church needs leadership. We need elders. We need deacons. You're qualified. You have everything that it takes to serve as an elder or serve as a deacon, but, but you've never done it before, and you don't know if you're ready. What will you do? All of a sudden, we need Bible class teachers. You grew up in the church. You know the Word of God. You're good with kids. You have the time, but you don't know if you're ready. The church needs you, but you don't know if you're ready. What will you do? All of a sudden... You have a coworker, a neighbor, a classmate who, who's been asking you a whole lot of spiritual questions, a whole lot of tough spiritual questions, constant spiritual conversation. But, but you don't know the Bible too well. You don't really know how to answer these questions. You know you need to answer these questions. You know you need to address this somehow, but you don't know what to do. All of a sudden, you have a child who becomes unfaithful to the Lord. You never thought that this would happen to you. You never thought that you would be in this situation. You're their parent. You're also a Christian. You know you have to do something. What do you do? You're a Christian. Your dear loved one is sick. Your dear loved one is suffering. Your dear loved one only has a few months to live. You know you have to be strong. You know you have to be courageous. You know that you have to have it all together, but you don't want to have it all together. You want to throw in the towel and quit. You can't keep on going because your dear mother, father, brother, or relative is is at home dying. You don't want to be a Christian. You don't want to keep on keeping on. But you know you have to. What do you do? All of us, every last one of us, have been in a very difficult situation where we have to make very tough, unexpected decisions. What do we do? We must seek the support of other people. Life is challenging. Life is difficult. As a Christian, we have difficult decisions to make every single day, and God does not expect us to go through this life alone. God does not expect us to have to handle those problems by ourselves. That's why He sent His Son to this earth to suffer and to die, to establish the church where we can benefit from each and every last soul who are a part of the church. The Apostle Paul clearly describes this relationship in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He likens the spiritual body of Christ to the physical body. The physical body is one body made up of many different members, all having different functions that all need each other. 
The hand cannot go without the foot. The mouth cannot go without the ears. The nose cannot go without the, the eyes. They all need each other. Likewise, the spiritual body is one body, the one body of Christ, made up of many different members who all need one another. We need each other. How Pepper needs, needs uh, Terry Pepper. Terry Pepper needs um, Dina Doom. Dina Doom needs uh, Troy Irwin. We all need each other. I need you. We are all blessings from God for each other. And so the point that I'm trying to make is, since God has blessed us with one another, may we use one another. There are 59 passages in Scripture that describe our responsibilities to one another. Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Honor one another above yourselves. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another. When you come together, eat and wait for each other. Greet one another with the holy kiss. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Carry each other's burdens. Forgive each other. Uh, Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow with each other. Offer hospitality to one another. Love one another, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Love one another, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. Love one another, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Love one another. When we are truly loving one another, when we all have this mutual relationship, when we're striving to get to know one another, when we're spending time with one another, when we're reaching out to one another, we won't hesitate to seek one another when we need help, support, and encouragement. That's why God put us here. That's why we have this local Rolling Hills Church of Christ, so we can all benefit from one another. Life is tough. Life is challenging. We have difficult decisions to make every single day. We're often standing between a rock and a hard place. The only way, the only way that we're going to have the, the, the confidence and the will to make the right decision when everything is on the line is if we seek the support of others. But not only that, you have to seek the support of God. We have to seek the support of God. We serve an awesome God. We serve a great God. We serve a God who spoke this world into existence. We serve a God who stretched out the heavens like a curtain and he spreads them out like a tent for us to dwell in. We serve a God who has laid the foundations of the earth. He has determined its measurements. He has laid the cornerstone of the earth. We have a God who rides on the clouds. We have a God who rides on the winds. We have a God who has fearlessly and wonderfully created each and every one of us in our mother's womb. We have a God who knows every single one of the stars by name. We have a God who has created the ends of the earth. A great God, a wonderful God, a glorious God, an awesome God. A God who holds all power in His hand and He has all wisdom, all knowledge, and all intelligence. The foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weaknesses of God are stronger than man's strength. This is the God that we serve. And this great God that we serve has a desire to have 
a relationship with you. This very wise God that we serve. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. Paul describes the wisdom of God. Oh, the depth and the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. This wise God, this eternal God, this powerful God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to seek Him. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when you do this, He'll bless you abundantly. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 through, through 10, Seek and you shall find. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 6, Without faith it is impossible to please Him, for he who would uh, draw near to God must believe that He exists. And what does He do? He rewards those who diligently seek Him. Do you see it? The point that I'm trying to make. This great God, the creator of the, the ends of the earth, this, this all-wise God, this powerful God, wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to seek Him. And so when we are faced with very difficult, very tough decisions, seek Him. Seek Him. Take advantage of Him. When we seek the counsel and the support of other people, when we seek the counsel and the knowledge, the wisdom and the power of God, when we have very difficult decisions to make in life, we, like Esther, will have no fear. We'll have no fear. We'll be able to essentially walk into the king's inner courts unannounced. We'll be able to have the same type of attitude that King David had in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I go through the king's inner courts. Yea, though, yea, though I have to make a decision whether I'm going to be a leader in the Lord's church. Yea, though, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to be a teacher in the Lord's church. Yea, though, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to withdraw from my own child. Yea, though, I have to make a decision whether I'm going to keep on keeping on after my loved one has passed away. Even though we have to make all of these decisions, we will fear no evil. Because it's the Lord's rod and it's His staff that comforts us. Maybe, sometimes, perhaps, perhaps He'll prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Sometimes we go through difficult things. Sometimes it seems as if life couldn't get any worse. Sometimes this happens. Sometimes this happens. But the Lord continues to anoint our heads with oil every single day, and our cup runneth Goodness and love and kindness follows us all of the days of our lives. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because we have no fear. Whatever happens, whatever happens on this side of heaven, if you have sought the support of other people, if you have sought the support of God, the battle will be won. The battle will be won. You have nothing at all. 1 John chapter 5, in verse 4, the Apostle John says, Faith is the victory 
that has overcome the world. Our faith is the victory that has overcome the world. How? How is our faith the victory that has overcome the world? Our faith is the victory that has overcome the world because through our faith is the knowledge of salvation. Through our faith is the knowledge that God the Father sent His Son to this earth to live among men. Through our faith is the knowledge that Jesus lived among men. He taught. He preached. He did wonderful things. Things that no one had ever seen before. Through our faith is the knowledge that Christ, though He was God, came to this earth as the suffering servant. And through our faith is the knowledge that Jesus Christ, when He was here on this earth in the flesh, He offered up prayers to God with loud cries and tears. And He was heard because of His reverence. And though He was a son, He learned obedience through what He suffered. And having been made perfect, He is the source of salvation and eternal life for all who believe. Through our faith is the knowledge of that. Christ, Christ is, He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Satan has been cast into eternal hell. And we don't ever have to worry about anything. Nothing, nothing on this side of heaven will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. The battle is won. Whatever situation you are in, when you're stuck between a rock and a hard place, when you don't know what type of decision to make, seek the support of other people. Seek the support of God. And He will give you the confidence. He'll give you the courage. And He'll give you the will to do whatever. To do whatever. Make whatever decision that you need to make. And whatever happens, whatever happens, God is still faithful and the battle is won. If we perish, we perish. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you now humbled before your high and exalted throne. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. We thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us. We thank you for your word that provides life examples of people like Esther who had to make very difficult, unexpected decisions. We thank you so much for the pattern that she followed by seeking the support of other people seeking your support, and having no fear. We pray that we will follow this example when we are faced with difficult decisions. We are faced with difficult decisions every single day. And we pray that you can give us the confidence, the will, the courage, and the faith to keep on keeping on despite the outcome. We thank you so much for Jesus and his life that gives us the victory. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, you don't, have, you don't have this type of confidence that Esther had. You don't have the type of confidence that can fearlessly go into the king's inner courts unannounced. You don't have that because when you die, you won't be in a right relationship with the Lord. When you die, you won't be in heaven. If you're not in a right relationship with God, you don't have that. You don't have that confidence. But Jesus died so that you could have that confidence. 
He rose so that you could have that confidence. And God the Father has provided this way by which you may have access to that death, burial, and resurrection. Hear the word, believe the word, repent and turn away from your sins, dedicate your life to Christ, confess the name of Jesus, and be fully immersed in the watery grave of baptism, rising forth, walking in newness of life. That's how you can have this confidence. If you've done this before, but you've fallen away and you would like to make things right this morning, we ask that you please come to the front while we stand and sing the song of invitation.